going to hold you alone tonight. Just want to have a slight conversation with you and share with you the same thing that the Spirit of God had me to talk to some of the people in Jackson about. You know, I'm coming to this recent revelation. It's nothing new to God. It's just new to me. Isaiah 43 and 18 said, Behold, I will do a new thing. Uh, that's either 18 or 19. It's not new to God, but it's new to you because there is nothing new under the sun. What has been, will be, and what is has already been. And God requires those things which are past. So nothing is new to God because God has done everything. The Bible declares whatever God does in Ecclesiastes 3. He does it forever. He doesn't add anything to it. Neither does he take anything away. When God said he was finished in the book of Genesis, he meant that. It is finished. The seventh day he rested and ceased from all of his works. The Bible declares in Hebrews 4 that we're to enter into that same rest as God entered into his. Ceasing from works, that's what you're supposed to enter well, the question comes up, well, if everything is already done, and if you've not listened to the other podcasts on it's already done and you need to balance it out, and if you've not listened to that yet, then what I'm saying to you may be a bit confusing. But I do want to say to you that it is a legitimate question when a person say, well, Prophet Karn, if everything is already done, if I'm already healed, I'm already delivered, I'm already set free, which is what I teach and what I believe. I don't believe you're going to be healed. I believe you're already healed. First Peter 2.24 declares, with whose stripes ye were healed. On Calvary's cross over 2,000 years ago, you were healed. I believe that. You're not going to be healed. You were healed. Just like you're not going to be saved. You are saved. And you're not saved because Jesus is going to die, but you're saved because he died. And you are healed because he died. And you are delivered because he died. Everything is already done. And I think it's a legitimate question when a person says, well, if everything is already done, um, pastor, prophet, what is the purpose of giving? What's the use of giving? You know, I thought that you had to give to get. I thought that uh, you sow so you can reap. How does giving fit into this? Does God respond to what I give? And remember, I already let you know, according to the book of Ephesians, that God never responds to me. That in actuality, I'm responding to him. God never responds to me. He chose me. He predestinated me. He accepted me in the beloved. Amen. And he's blessed me with all spiritual blessings. I can't be more blessed. You come to Prophet Khan and say, bless me. Well, you're already blessed. You are blessed today. You are as blessed as you're going to be according to Ephesians 1 and 3. You've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So how does giving fit in? If God doesn't respond to my giving, how does giving fit in? Do I have to give to get it back? Is God responding? Because if I have to give money in order for God to give me money back, that means that God is responding to me. And according to what we've recently been teaching and the understanding that we have, God never responds to me. So, Pastor, if that is true, then explain to me this whole thing about giving, and I would like to. So if you have a moment, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit. We do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the church of Macedonia. Now, you got to understand that in the 8th chapter of the book of Corinthians, Paul is headed to Jerusalem. And I want to say this. God talks about finance and prosperity. Jesus did more than any other subject in the Bible. I mean, healing is important. Deliverance is important. is important. But the thing that Jesus talked about the most was money. And in the eighth chapter of the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul is having a conversation about money. 
Verse 2, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. Paul is headed to Jerusalem, and the reason he's headed to Jerusalem is there's a famine there, and he's taking up an offering for the people that are partakers of that famine. He's taking up an offering, you know, just like if somebody just expressed a heart in the floor, and you took up an offering for those people. Well, that's what Paul is doing. He's headed to Jerusalem due to a famine, and he's taking up an offering for the people there, and these people are begging him to send an offering. So let's say there's a church in Tennessee and there's a church in Mississippi, and the church in Mississippi just went through a hurricane. The church in Tennessee, in this text, is begging Paul to give money to the church in Mississippi. Well, you would think that the church in Tennessee must have money. But verse 2 said, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. So they were not an affluent church. They had deep poverty. But because of the love of Christ, they wanted to give. They did not want to give because they had extra, they had more money, they were an affluent church, they had a great church. No. This was a church that was poor. They did not have much. Yet they saw another church that were in need, and they begged Paul to please take money from us. We need more of this in the body of Christ. Too many people won't give because they say, I don't, can't afford to give. I don't have the money to give. I need money here. I need money there. I have this bill need to be paid. I have that bill need to be paid. But this people had a revelation of the love of God. And according to the verse 4, praying with us much entreated that we would receive the gift, verse 5. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first they gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. They did not just give money, but they gave with their heart. And anytime you give, God's going to give you back. But you're not giving to get it back. It's not an exception. A lot of you, even when it comes to tithing and offering, you're not tithing because you love God. You're not tithing because you're grateful to the Lord. And No, you're tithing because you're afraid that God is up in heaven and he has a sledgehammer, and if you don't give your money, he's going to beat you down. Come on, let's be honest. You're not giving your tithe out of love for him, out of dedication to him, out of a passion to please him. You're giving your tithe because you are afraid that if you don't give tithe, you're going to be cursed with a curse, which means that the purpose behind your giving is not love, but it is fear. You have a father that you are afraid of. And when you look at Second Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse 7, it says that under the new covenant, we're supposed to give every man as you purpose in your heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Giving in the new covenant is not under a grudge. It's not under a burden. It's not under a law. We give why do we give? Because we love the Lord. We give grudgingly. We don't give grudgingly, but we give cheerfully. Because everything in the new covenant and everything in your life must be ruled by grace. First Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verse 3, Paul said, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profited me nothing. 
He said, you can tithe, you can give hundreds of dollars, you can sow in every service, you can give a million times, but if the motivation behind your giving is not out of a love for God, the Bible says that it profits you nothing. Now, a lot of you are saying, well, all you have to do is give, and if you just give, it's going to come back. Well, most of you by now should know that's not true because I'm sure I'm talking to a group of people who are givers. You have given and given and given. And you're asking God, why is there no harvest? Why aren't I seeing anything? What's going on? I am a giver. And if giving was all it took to be blessed, then everybody would be blessed. But it's not just giving. A lot of times your hundredfold return is hindered by your motives. You're not giving because you love God. You're not giving because you're crazy about the Lord. You're not giving out of a heart of love and, Lord, I just love you so much that everything I have, you can take it from me. No, you're giving out of a legalistic mindset, and that's what's hindering your profit. Now, the person who you give the money to is profiting, but you're not profiting, and it's because you're giving out of condemnation, you're giving out of fear, you're giving because you're scared if you don't give, something's going to happen to you, and that's why you're not blessed. And to be very honest with you, it's very easy to motivate people with condemnation. If I make you feel bad about something, you'll do it. If I make you feel bad about not giving tithes, there's a curse going to come on you. You're going to get this and get that. If I make you feel bad enough, you'll give. And a lot of people are giving out of condemnation with a legalistic mindset and is hindering their blessing. You should give because you love God. You're supposed to have the right motivation behind your giving. And that's cheerful giving. If your giving is not cheerful, if your giving is not out of love, if your giving is not out of, I'm crazy about you, Lord, I want you to know that this money means absolutely nothing to me, that everything I have belongs to you, and whatever you ask me for at any given moment, you could have it. And because I love you, I want you to know you can have this money, and I want to give to the work of the kingdom. If that's not the motivation behind you, might as well keep your money because you will never be blessed when you give that way. When you go to the book of Psalms, the 50th chapter, and hope I'm not going too fast, but I don't know about you, but this is really blessing me because some of you are giving and giving and giving and wondering, why aren't I being blessed? I'm sowing, but there's no harvest. I really don't see a harvest financially. I mean, I'm healed, I'm delivered. I, but I don't see a financial harvest. And have you thought about maybe it's because the motivation behind your giving is wrong? You're giving to get, and you're not giving out of love. Psalm 50, verse 7 says, Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings continually. Your Bible says to have been continually before me. He said, I'm not going to reprove you for your burnt offerings and sacrifices. God did not have a problem with their sacrifice. He didn't have a problem with it. But the problem he had with their sacrifice was the motive. Verse 9, I will take no bullock out of your house, nor he goes out of your fold. I don't have to take anything from you because, verse 10, every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. And look at what God said. If I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. I don't eat the flesh of bulls. I don't drink the blood of goats. Offer unto God thanksgiving. And pay your vows unto the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Now, that was Old Testament giving. And he's reproving them because their motive was wrong. They gave sacrifices. 
They was giving money. Some of you give sacrificially, but you're giving because you want God to do something, and it's not out of love. You can't feed God. God said, am I hungry? Look at what it says in verse 9 to 15. He said, you think I'm hungry? You think I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? He said, no, I'm not hungry. I own everything. Am I making sense? The sacrifice is not for God. The sacrifice is for you. God is telling them, you're not sacrificing a goat for me to eat. You're not sacrificing what you're doing for me to eat. I'm not hungry. I'm not thirsty. I own everything. I don't need your money. But the sacrifice is for you. Am I making sense? That when God asks you to sacrifice of your substance, of your monies, of your monies from your job, from your bill money, it's not for you. I'm sorry. It's not for God. It's for you. God doesn't need money. But God can locate your heart through your money. And it's to show you how much you really love him. See, what God did was he extended mercy on credit. As you know, sin messed us up because of Adam. And the Bible declares that Jesus Christ came as our sacrificial lamb to get rid of what sin had did. But before he became that lamb, you know what would happen. They would offer up lambs and sacrifices and bulls, and God extended mercy on credit, showing that he would provide a substitute. They would take an innocent lamb. They would slit his throat. Why? Because all of it was on the lamb. God's going to do everything. And what he's trying to show them is everything is on me. Your healing is on me. Your deliverance is on me. Your breakthrough is on me. The lamb did no wrong, but the lamb took on the sin even though he didn't do anything. Just like Christ took on our sin even though he didn't do anything. Am I making sense? And he's showing them that you all are missing the purpose of your sacrifice. You think you're sacrificing to help me. You think you're sacrificing because I need you. No, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Psalm 24, the world and they that dwell therein. I don't need your money. I don't need your food. I don't need your clothes. The sacrifice isn't for me, but the sacrifice is for you. They were missing the purpose of the sacrifice. And even though living of the gospel, you know, a lot of times preachers, we preach the gospel and we tell them, they that preach the gospel shall live in the gospel. I preached it. I've said it. But that's not the reason God told you to give to the pastor or to give to your church. You're not giving to your church to meet the needs of the church, not because the lights need to be paid, which is true, not because your pastor needs a salary or should be taken care of, which is right. I believe it's right to take care of your leader. I believe that the church light should stay on. I believe that the church should never go in lack. I believe that. But that's not the purpose of him telling you to give. Sacrifice is for your sake. And the reason God asks you to give of your money sacrificially even when you're not in a place to give it, is he wants you to see him as your source. Am I making sense? I said the reason Christ does everything he does and acts of you, your seed, is not because he needs you to take care of the preacher. No. It's because he wants you to see him as your source. I'm giving up this money, Lord. You know why? Because this money is not my source. You are my source. So even though I need this and I'm not in a position to give it, I'm giving it to you because I want you to know that you are my source, not my job, but you are my source. There's nothing you do more than work. You work more than you do anything else. You work more than you sleep. You work more than you eat. And if you don't be careful, 
you will begin to think after you've done all of this work that I deserve every dime of this. I work for this money. All of this money I have, I have because of what I did. Haven't you heard arrogant people talk like that? I did this. I put in 40 hours. I did this. Nobody gets a check or get their check and get on their knees and run in the office of their boss and say, thank you, boss. I just don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. No. You say, no, I earned this check. I put in the hours for this check, and I deserve every dime of this check. And if that's your attitude, you are seeing it wrong because God is still your source. It was God who allowed you to be born in this great nation. You could be living in a country right now with, with no food, with no lights, that's not even industrialized, with no television, with no ability to pick up a phone and even hear this message that you hear right now. It's God that gave you the ability to be in a country where you can hear the word preach, where you can have a job, There are countries right now where there are no jobs, where there is no freedom. You could have been born in a communist country, but the Lord favored you and allowed you to be born in a republic, in a democracy where you can move and do what you want to do and you're able to go to school and get an education. God gave you the ability to do everything. It's not you who made you normal, where you're not deformed. Do you understand that all it takes for you to be crazy is just one little chemical imbalance? You could be retarded. You could be unable to think. But God has favored you. He gave you normal hands, the ability to move, the ability to see, the ability to breathe. And out of everything he gave you, you're using those gifts and those abilities. So that still says God is your source, not your job. Because somebody is not able to get a job. Somebody's in a nation where they're unable to work. They're unable to go to school. But God gave you the ability to go to the job. It's amazing the things we take for granted the ability to wake up and brush your teeth, the ability to put on your clothes, all of that is God being your source. And guess what God said? He said, since I am your source and you confess that I'm your source and you say that you trust me out of your mouth, God says in James chapter 2, faith without works is dead. There needs to be action to prove to me that I'm your source. If you believe that I take care of you, if you believe that I provide you for you, not your job, not your education, not your ability to go work, if you believe that I'm your source, all I ask you to do is give. I ask you to give me from the money that you use as a resource from the source. I'm asking you to give it to me to prove to me that I'm your source because faith without works is dead. And how do you do those works? It is through giving. It is through your tithe. It is through your offering. That's how you prove to God, Lord, you're my source. I, I need all 100% of this. But because I love you and you are my source, I'm going to give you this. I don't have to play any games. I don't have to do what the sinner does because Psalm 75, 6 says, promotion coming neither from the west, the south, or the east, but it comes from God. And if you believe that God is your promoter and God is your promoter and God makes ways, prove it. Take a portion of your finances and give it away. That's what the Lord is saying. That's why we're giving. It's a proving to him that you are my source. God hates this uh, uh, sometime in Christianity where every now and then you give God five minutes of your day and nothing else you do, you spend time with him. I told you, the whole life of the believer is a life of communion. 
It's loving on him. It's being committed to him. And God wants all of you. He wants fellowship with you. He loves you. But he wants it to flow through a faith and a trust relationship. God wants you to know, God wants to know that you trust him. Not just out of your mouth, Hebrews eleven six. but without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he that cometh to God must first believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently, continually seek him. He wants communion. He wants fellowship. He wants all of you. And God is saying, I want to know that you trust me. Trust me and give me a portion of what you got. And if you honor me, I'll bless you like never before. That's what God is saying. He's saying, listen, if you love me like you say you do and you really trust me, give me a portion of finances and show me that, Lord, I know that my job is not my source. I know that it's not my education and it's not my ability. I know that every blessing that I have received comes from you. And I want to prove it to you that any time you ask me for anything, I'll give it to you because I love you. But many times when you're asked to give, guess what you do? You begin to check your account. You check how much money you have. You know why? Because he's not your source. Your job is. And the Lord said, prove to me that I'm your source by giving it to me. Listen, as much as I'm a pastor and a leader, I'm learning that the people, KCC, Charlotte, KCC, St. Mary's, the church I attend, I take no salary from none of the churches. You know why? Because they are not my source. And, of course, I have needs like everyone else has needs. But I have to work my faith, too. And I can't make people feel bad about not tithing because I want to make sure I can budget. That's manipulation. That's control. And guess what God said? He said, no, I want you to give to me because you recognize that I am your source. I want you to give. I want you to recognize me as your source. I don't need your money. I don't need your car. I don't need your clothes. I don't have a need, according to Psalm 50. The cattle on a thousand hills is mine. Every beast of the forest is mine. If I was hungry, he said, I wouldn't tell you. But I want you to give because you know that I am your source, that you have a revelation that God, by grace, has already blessed me. But by faith, I respond. I respond by faith to what grace has already provided. God has a perfect plan. God said you're already here. I believe your provision is already made. That's what I believe. I don't believe you want for anything. I believe you're already here. But you have to cooperate with God. And your faith, your positive response, your yes, Lord, your faith that has works, because it, you can have faith, but if it's without works, it is dead faith. And dead faith is just as good as no faith. Faith with works is my positive response to what grace has already provided, and my faith reaches and receives what God has already given to me. But it's all about my motive. If I'm giving to get, my motive is wrong. If I'm giving because I want something back, my motive is wrong. If I'm giving to prove because uh, I'm trying to get God to prove something to me, my motive is wrong. God, I love you, and you are my source. And because you are my source, I want you to know that everything I have belongs to you. Are you getting this? Man, it's blessing me because it's changing my life. And 1 Kings, the 17th chapter, we see that God told Elijah to go ahead and go by the brook Cherith. He said, well, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. 
And I want you to see that God had already spoke to the raven. It was not contingent upon Elijah. What he did, it was contingent upon how good he was, how righteous he was. And this is under the old covenant. But I want you to see that God had already spoke to the raven before he spoke to Elijah. The provision that Elijah needed was already there. He already had provision. He already had his miracle. He already had his breakthrough. All he had to do was go there. Provision was there, but he had to obey. God sent his need to the place of obedience. Do you know that Elijah could have stayed where he was and starved to death? And had he starved to death, it wasn't because God didn't provide it. It was because he did not move to the place of obedience. Wow. How many of you, your need is provided, your healing, everything is there. The only thing is you will not go to the place of obedience. You will not make the move that you are supposed to make. He's the God of prosperity. He's the God of increase. He's the God of breakthrough. He wants you blessed, and you are blessed. But you have to, by faith, receive what grace has already provided. Giving is all about trusting God. It's about having an attitude of faith. Faith is how you appropriate what God has already done. Romans chapter 5, I'm going to go there real quick. That's one of those scriptures that I love to read. I love the book of Romans. It's one of the most powerful, 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 did you hear that? One of the most powerful books in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. But Romans chapter 5 says something. Look at what it says. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. The grace that provides everything, the access is by faith. You can say that you have faith, but are you tithing? Are you giving? Do you trust God? Do you let go of your money? Not when it's convenient, when you don't want to. The reason you don't give is because you don't believe you're going to multiply. That's the end of the conversation. It, it, it really shows us that we don't trust him. And God wants us to trust him. He wants us to believe that when he tells us something, he's going to do it. Right now, if you were sitting in your seat with $10, and I was sitting on stage with a $100 deal, and I said, if you bring me $10, I'll give you $100. The only reason that you wouldn't give me that $10 with that $100 in front of you is because you don't believe I'm going to give you the $100. But if you believe me and believe my word, even if you didn't have the $10, you would look at the person next to you and you would say, hey, let me hold $10. I'll be able to give it right back as soon as he gives me the 100 The reason you don't is because you don't believe. Give, Luke says, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, and run it over. The reason you don't is because you don't believe. If I said, bring me $10 and I'll give you $100. If you don't give me the $10, it's because you don't believe I'm going to give you the $100. And the problem is we only give when we have something left because your trust is in your money. Most of us, you will give that $10 if you have another $40 left just in case the $100 doesn't come through because your trust is in your money and your trust is not in God. A lot of people say, well, you know, as soon as income tax season comes, as soon as I get me some money, then I'll give. You know what you're saying? I'll give when I don't have to have faith. That's what you're saying. 
when a person says, as soon as I get me some money, I'm going to give, guess what you're saying? I'm going to give when I don't have to have faith. If I have $300,000 and there's a car that I want for $40,000, that doesn't require faith. That requires cash. I have the cash, so I don't need the faith. But if the car is $40,000 and all I have is $10,000, I need faith for the rest of that. And to give it to God means I completely trust him. Well, if what I have doesn't meet my need, it's a seed. You need to learn to give in faith, not give in comfort. We give when it's comfortable. We give when we have the money in savings. We give when we can afford it, and it's because he is not our source. It's because you trust yourself, and your confidence is in what you have. Put yourself in a position to see the promise of God. And you will never be able to see the promise of God if you're not giving in faith and it's motivated by love for God. And, of course, I'm not talking about giving foolishly and ignorantly. Of course, uh, the Bible says acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path. But most of us, that's not why we're not giving. We're not giving because we don't trust God. Second Corinthians 9, 10, say, Now he that ministers seed to the soil, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. And that's the question that you have to ask yourself when you receive. Is this bread or is this seed? Is it for me to sow or is it for me to eat? Is it for me or is it for sowing? But whatever you do, he wants you to move in faith. A lot of people say, well, prophet, I want to give. I I really want to give. I really want to give a whole bunch, but I just don't have it. No, it's not that you don't have it. It's that you want to take care of yourself first. You have your needs that you want to provide for. You have your needs that you want to do first. And that's your problem. But Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else is going to be added unto you. The Bible says in verse 25, Take no thought for your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, nor for your body, what you're going to put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Raiment? Verse 31, therefore take no thought, saying, what am I going to eat or what I'm going to drink? Verse 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. If you're worried about that stuff, you're thinking like a sinner. Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what? Everything else is going to be added to you. You know, a lot of us say that we trust him, but we really don't. You say it out your mouth, Matthew 15 and 8. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. God said, seek ye first and all these things. What things? Food, clothes, money. Seek me first. Faith is putting God first when nothing else matters. I just really want to be in his will. There's so much more I can share with you, but this is something that God burned in my heart and told me as an emergency to come and minister it to you. Told me to let you know what was true and what was going on and why so many people I mean, so many people are not seeing the blessing. I've always asked myself that. I I said, Lord, all these people are giving, but nobody's receiving. Nobody's really getting the harvest. And you know why? It's because we do not trust God like we say. And when you learn to trust him with every dime you have, to prove to him 
that he's your source. You will see God move like you've never seen because you're not giving because you want something. You don't give to get, but you get to give. Right now you're on this phone and you say, well, the Lord is my source. I have faith. I trust. We'll prove it tonight. I want you to prove it. Today, earlier today in my prayer time, the Lord told me to do this call. And I want you to prove it today. We're sowing in faith. I'm the first one. But I want a hundred of you today, right now, under the sound of my voice, to sow a seed of $150. Well, I, I, I can't afford it. Neither can I. Well, you know, I got some things that I plan on doing. Well, if, 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 if you trust your money, and your money means that much to you, don't do it. But if you trust God that said give and it will be given back, good measure, press down, shaken together, and run it over. Shall men give unto your bosom, then you're going to sow your seed tonight in faith. You look at that scripture in Psalm 50. He said, Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High, verse 15. And when you call on me in trouble, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Show God that, Lord, I do trust you. You are my source. I want to prove it tonight. I'm not in a position to be giving a $150 seed. But I want to do that today because I want the Lord to know that $150 is nothing because you are my source. I don't care if it's your last tonight. Prove it to him by faith and sow that $150. Now, if you don't believe it and you say you don't want to do it and you're giving it out of fear, don't do it because you can't be blessed. But if you want to prove to God tonight, Lord, you are my source. Lord, you are the source of my strength. You are the strength of my life. Abba, I belong to you. Isn't that what we're saying? My, yeah, 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 yeah. my hands are yours. My feet are yours. My money is yours. You know, I'm learning that I didn't trust him like I said I did. I'm learning. My faith is being stretched. Uh, I thought I had. I'm learning that I didn't have the faith that I thought I had. He's showing me. I'm not upset with him. I'm grateful because I want him to know that nothing is more important to me than him. And whatever he asks me for, at any given moment, he can have it. So I'm giving my $150 seat first. And there are 100 of you who are listening to me. And I want all 100 of you to do this. And all of 100 of you, all 100 of you, in the next four weeks will receive something from me. God had me to do something, and I haven't mailed it off to the other people. Some of the Lord had me to pray over that I'll be sending to them. But all 100 of you, I've received a instruction from the Lord that I want to send to you as a token of appreciation, a gift. Prove to him today that he's your source. Prove to him today that money means nothing to you and you trust him. And I'm going to tell you that once you give and your motive behind your giving is loving him, and you're giving because you're proving it to him because faith of how works is dead. Once you do that, I promise you, God's a good man who pays back. I believe it's Mark chapter 10. I'm, I want to read it to you very quick. It just came up in my spirit, and I believe it's going to bless somebody. But Mark chapter 10 says something so profound, another one of my favorite chapters really blesses my life. It says, verse 29, And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife 
or children or lands for my sake and the gospel. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the world to come, eternal life. You're going to get it in this life a hundredfold. But guess what? It's going to come with persecution. Can you stand to be blessed? Can you handle the persecution? Can you stand to be blessed? There is a price to pay to be blessed. I'm not going to hold you, but there are a hundred of you today, right now. And I want you to do this in faith. You don't want to do it, please don't because you won't be blessed anyway. But there are a hundred of you that the Lord challenged me to challenge you to sow a seed of $150. And watch what the Lord is about to do. Make sure I have your name. Go to briancarn.com, briancarn.org. It doesn't matter. But go and sow your seed of $150. If you want to go to the website, you can do it there, or if you want to send it, P.O. Box 11507, Jacksonville, Florida, 32239. I want you to go ahead and do that immediately. Sow that seed, because I have something that I have to get back to you. And I'll be getting it back to you in the next four weeks. I'll be making a phone call to my office on tomorrow to tell them exactly what to do. God is a God of faithfulness. He doesn't tell lies. And all he wants us to do is trust him. Take no thought for your life. I'm going to take care of you. I am your source. Haven't I kept you until now? Look at your check. Look at your bills. It's me that's your provider. You keep looking at your job as your source. And it hurts him because he wants you to know that I'm your source. All 100 of you, the window will close. There are 100 people that I have 100 gifts for. There are 100 people only that I have 100 gifts for. And you're sowing your seed of $150 in faith, trusting the Lord, knowing that he will do what he said he's going to do. There's a massive earthquake that's going to hit somewhere in America, not in another country, but right here in America. Let's pray for the soil of America because I see an earthquake right here in America. And again, let's pray for our schools and for malls. We're rebuking massive shootings before the end of this year. Let's pray for schools and let's pray for malls. All right? But a sign being of you, what I tell you, that says the Lord, there shall be some kind of scare at a theme park. Now it might be a it might be a uh uh it might be a um a ride scare where an accident happens on a roller coaster where somebody's killed, somebody possibly falls off. Uh, some it gets stuck, but there's a scare coming to a theme park that's going to make national news. Okay, let's pray. Let's pray for the state of Tennessee and the state of Mississippi. But that's the word of the Lord. Trust me. Trust me and prove to me that you trust me. And watch with God. It's getting ready to do in your life over the next couple of days because you're not giving out of obligation. You're not giving out of fear. But right now, Lord, I trust you, and I'm going to give you this $150 that I can't give, not in a position to give. It really is a sacrifice to me. It really, really is. But I'm going to give it to you, not for you, but for me. Because I want my faith to be backed up with works.
I love you. I'm praying for you. It's a pleasure to minister to you, and I thank you for listening to me. This is what God told me to share with you today. This is the hour of the blessing. The convocation is in November, and it's called the Kingdom Agenda. This is the hour of the blessing, and many of you will not get it. But there's a group that's going to get it because you're going to learn to love God and give him everything where nothing matters but doing what he tells you. You're not connected to anything. I'm learning that. I love that. I love you. There are three of you that may say, I'm going to give more. I'm going to give 1500 some of you on here say, I don't have 150, but I do have 15. That's fine. But I know that there are 100 people on this call right now that have $150. And I told you a minute ago, if you give $10 and you know 100 is coming back, the only way you don't give the 10 is you don't believe the 100 is coming. I don't care if you have to borrow it tonight. This is so rich. I swear you will see a harvest. God swear by nobody but himself. And there will be a harvest. You will see the hand of God moving your life. Wow. That's awesome. That's powerful. And if I was you, I would get in my word and make sure my love for him is in the right place. All 100 of you, move now. Sow your seed. BrianCarn.com, BrianCarn.org, $150. Or send in a gift to the P.O. Box, P.O. Box 11507, Jacksonville, Florida, 32239. Do it as soon as you can so that I can send you the gift. If you want to hear this message in its entirety, I'll have it for you very soon. This will probably be on a podcast. And I'm just enjoying teaching. God's changing my life. I hope it's changing yours. I love you. More grace. Bye-bye.